hype and hysteria around artificial intelligence has reappeared. Genius Elon Musk has said that creating artificial intelligence would be like summoning a demon. Our biggest existential threat. Potentially more dangerous than nukes. Both Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking have expressed serious fears over the future of humanity in the face of super-intelligent machines. Stephen Hawking has warned of the dangers of artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence could spell the end of the human race. You know, the robots take over and destroy human existence. This reminds me, I feel like this is like a scene in a movie. Must issue a grave warning about the potential dangers of AI research. according to Stephen Hawking, that may not be science fiction for much longer. But do we really need to worry? The world of artificial intelligence is no stranger to hype. Like many other areas of AI, the technical capabilities of machine learning approaches are regularly oversold, and this hype overshadows the real advances in the field. Machine learning algorithms have become an increasingly important part of our lives. They are integral to all sorts of applications, from the speech recognition technology in Siri to Google's search engine. Unfortunately, machine learning systems are often more noticeable in our lives not because of their successes, but because of their failures. We come face to face with the limitations of Siri, Cortana, or Google Now. Sorry, I don't understand. While spam filtering algorithms are quietly removing junk from our mailbox unnoticed. Improvements to algorithms are allowing us to do more sophisticated computational tasks but exactly what machine learning techniques are able to do, their limitations, and the implications of their use are often unclear, especially in such a fast-moving field. Misrepresentation of its capabilities and the lack of general understanding has led data science to be treated like a silver bullet, a magical tool that can solve an organization's problems. In truth, machine learning methods may not deliver anything meaningful. Only if the data is of sufficient quality, the approach is thought through and the outcome evaluated, will something beneficial be achieved. Machine learning only works if the problem is solvable with the data you have. Neil Lawrence is Professor of Machine Learning at the University of Sheffield. The thing that we're probably lacking in the current generation of uh politicians and civil servants is that they're not going to be educated for an understanding of how the underlying data science is operating, how to do the interpretation correctly. So we kind of try and need to rectify that in terms of the current generation decision makers, give a good understanding of what data science can and can't do. It's not magical and we need to remove that sense that it's magical. It's not a black box, it's just algorithm and processing and, and the capabilities of just algorithms need to be understood in order to make the right decisions about them. Google DeepMind have recently published another paper describing a system capable of learning to play and master a large number of Atari games. This work is really exciting and it shows the power of general purpose algorithms, but there are still fundamental limitations in what it's capable of doing. The current system doesn't have any kind of long-term memory, so cannot perform long-term planning. Without doubt, there are already solutions being developed. 
but we are still a long way from general intelligence. Machine algorithms function very well using familiar data experienced during training. For example, the Google system that learned to recognize cats from millions of images works about 70% better than the previous state-of-the-art. A huge leap in ability, but it still recognizes less than a sixth of the images on which it was trained. These systems do much worse when they try to cope with things that they have not experienced. A big problem if they are to function in the real world. Learning in noisy real-world environments is difficult. Trying to record, evaluate and combine lots of different types of data is very challenging. Though an algorithm can learn to recognize cats, it still doesn't understand what a cat is or what the images mean. Advancing in developing this understanding is much slower. Many tasks that humans can do easily are still extremely difficult to solve using a computational approach. One of the biggest challenges of machine learning is to develop common sense reasoning. At the University of Oxford, Karim Ayub is combining neuroscience and machine learning to create personalized medical treatments for different brain disorders. The over-reliance on technology is probably the single greatest weakness that we would have today. Again, there are lots of limitations, particularly in healthcare and the way that we apply machine learning. It's slightly different than having Siri on your phone recognize what you're trying to say and sending a text. Here you've got the diagnosis of a malignant tumor on the line or a particular brain scan that you've read through a machine learning algorithm. So at present, we still need a very firm collaboration, an active collaboration from doctors, healthcare administration, government, and other data scientists to make sure that the field progresses forward naturally and without too many hiccups. Healthcare is an area receiving a great deal of attention from the machine learning and AI communities. Syrian city of Urkesh. Watson? Who is Agatha Christie? Correct. Same category, 600. IBM's Watson, fresh from its Jeopardy victory, is now concentrating on sorting through, storing, and analyzing massive amounts of medical information. Some have billed it as potentially the world's best diagnostician. But this hype is masking the areas machine learning is, and will increasingly be, having the biggest impact. A lot of the capabilities of machine learning, artificial intelligence as a field, I think can drive different personalized, not applications in healthcare, but also revolutionize various industries in which artificial intelligence or machine learning uh, is currently being applied. I think there's a lot of progress being made currently in the field of, for example, medical diagnostics. With machine learning, you can now, um, there are open platforms for you to, for example, upload all of your radiological images and have deep learning nets find features without a doctor being there to direct it uh, or supervise it and then use that for very accurate medical diagnosis of radiological images that a doctor could never hope to achieve that accuracy. But I think it needs to start with what the current capabilities are of machine learning in healthcare and what it can't do. So something like radiological image diagnosis is something we can do right now and is currently being done across hospitals in the US, Brazil, China, and the UK. But other things where you need doctors to work in collaboration with machine learning algorithms, I think could help, again, propel that field forward and hopefully help develop healthcare and the field of personalized healthcare. Like healthcare systems, governments have to deal with large data sets, complicated ethical issues, and tricky decision making. We spoke to Chris Fleming head of data and analytics at the Government Office for Science, 
about the use of machine learning in government. So machine learning is something that's currently being picked up by teams across government. I would say there's a, a good handful of people working on it right now. Some of the examples are government digital service are using machine learning models to predict page views on their website so you can do anomaly detection. HMRC are using sort of clustering techniques to segment VAT customers and there are various other examples across security, home office and other areas. So there's a handful but there's definitely a lot more untapped potential out there. So far, the government digital service has focused on demonstrating the capabilities of machine learning and hopefully the use of these computational techniques will spread throughout government. But without broader understanding of the power of these techniques and more data scientists in government, this may not happen. Computational systems also have some unexpected potentials. Are you ready for a machine learning poet? Here is Michael Cook, research scientist at Goldsmiths, to talk about creative computers. Creativity is a really difficult word. Over the last few years, computational creativity as a research field has come to the realisation that when we use the word, we almost never, ever agree on what we mean by it. So I think computers can be very creative. I think they can surprise us. I think they can invent things that humans would have trouble coming up with. But I think the parallel problem is getting us to accept when they've been creative. Because they're not like us. They don't have emotions. They don't have feelings or histories, and so the way in which we relate to creative people is very different in the way in which we relate to creative software. So I think they can be super creative, but there's also a kind of social problem in getting people to understand what that actually means and kind of to appreciate when they've been creative. A lot of AI techniques work off the basis of being told to search for something, and they go and look, and they get further and further through the search, and they get closer and closer to the thing they're looking for. And this kind of assumes that you know what you're looking for at the start. So you tell an AI, I need to build a bridge that has these structural properties. But sometimes you want your algorithms to do the opposite. So we use a technique called novelty search, where the algorithm starts to generate things, maybe it generates video games, and then it says, okay, now I want to look for something which is very different to this thing that I just found. And as it generates more things, it's constantly moving away from the things that it's already made. So you're constantly looking in the opposite direction to the one you just looked in. Now, this is a really exciting kind of algorithm because it produces output that is very unusual. And it gets over one of the big problems that we have with some aspects of AI, which is that we're often very, very constrained by the people that made the software in the first place or the data that it learned from, you know, if, we, if we're using machine learning. So novelty search is nice because it drags us away from those preconceptions and assumptions. And I think it's got some interesting applications in computational creativity as a result, because a lot of the time you want to look for things that you weren't expecting. At least that's a, that can be a big component of it. The increasing use of these techniques will bring a great deal of benefits as we are able to learn and react to the vast amount of data being collected every day. But in such a fast-moving field, with so much misrepresentation and misunderstanding, we need to have an ongoing open conversation about the implications of using these methods. Programming errors in machine learning algorithms are not uncommon. In the majority of cases, these bugs are only a nuisance and can be fixed easily after identification. The more we rely on machine learning systems, particularly for important tasks in medicine or policy making, the outcome of these errors may be far more serious. It's particularly challenging to guarantee that a system built automatically via machine learning methods will behave properly 
and the real-world environment. A great deal of work is being done in the area of driverless cars. But even with strict quality assurance, gaining the public's trust of machines that make decisions is not straightforward. People understandably place more trust in humans than machines. This reluctance to trust machines is a big challenge in realising the full potential of machine learning algorithms, particularly in sectors like medicine. A broader understanding of how these tools operate will help enormously, but there is still a lot of work to be done to improve human-machine interactions. A machine could fairly easily provide justifications for its decisions, and this is already being done in the field of computational creativity. Building skills and understanding is important. But how far is the importance of machine learning techniques appreciated? Chris Fleming. Well, I definitely think there is recognition at the very top of the civil service that civil service needs to innovate and continue to adopt new technologies um, and data technologies like machine learning. There's probably more of a gap at the big middle management sort of level in the civil service, you know, the vast array of people who own the policies and deliver the services that are perhaps, you know, don't have access to the same networks that are able to expose them to these kind of technologies. So I think that's, a, that's going to be a challenge. Currently, we are lacking even the basic knowledge and understanding of machine learning capabilities in many sectors. If machine learning is to be used effectively, we need to cultivate informed workers at all levels. Neil Lawrence expands on this need for a different type of data scientist. The difference between type 1 and type 2 data scientists would be that a type 1 data scientist is the sort of individual that develops either new algorithms or is actively working on a data set to try and draw some interpretation from the data. A type 2 data science degree would be more targeted at someone who's having to make decisions or run a department of such data scientists or needs to have an understanding of what data science can and can't do at a high level and what the right type of areas to invest in are. They don't necessarily need a technical detailed understanding of each algorithm, but they do need an understanding of what the technology can do and what the right technologies to use are. For example, you have a data scientist who claims to be able to process data, so they're given a task, they process some data and they, they make some predictions. They're being managed by people, and it's important for those people to understand, to have an instinct as to whether this individual has done a good job. There's going to be, I think, an increasing demand for people of that type, as well as the technical people that are developing new algorithms and understanding the data. Open APIs and machine learning resources are providing access to these tools for the first time to many people. These open platforms will provide significant benefits to many organisations, but they cannot replace the need for skilled type 1 data scientists. Karim Ayoub. So in terms of opening up machine learning algorithms, artificial intelligence algorithms, and the state of the art therein, I think that it's driving the field forward quite rapidly. So there are a lot of platforms and APIs already, companies that offer the most advanced deep learning or artificial intelligence algorithms that you can readily use right now with your own company. I don't think that this is a full replacement for having a more direct approach, like hiring data scientists, however. A lot of the off-the-shelf uh, applications of these types of uh, expansion of machine learning are for very particular uses. For example, vision recognition uh, or speech recognition, natural language processing. If you have a very unique problem for your company that can't be solved with one of those off-the-shelf 
product, then you need to hire data scientists who are capable of understanding how to apply state-of-the-art machine learning to solve those issues. With that said, expanding sort of the ubiquity of a lot of these different applications through offering packages that you can pull off the shelf for basic functions, accelerate company growth, and also accelerate the way that we use machine learning artificial intelligence. Of course, there are inherent biases in data. There are limitations to the number of data scientists that can be employed in this type of a field currently. We're vastly sort of undersourced in the data science community in healthcare. These methods are designed as tools to help people be better at what they do not as tools to replace people. Over-reliance on the technology or a misunderstanding of its abilities can have serious implications. We still need an active collaboration between the technologies and informed human counterparts to ensure we achieve the best outcomes. It's important we understand the capabilities and limitations of these techniques. So how do we cultivate knowledge and understanding? Who should be driving this and what role should they play? Neil Lawrence again. The technology is evolving so quickly, and I don't understand all, for example, of the important aspects of a decision maker that they would need to understand about the data science. So the idea that I could propose a course like this, or any individual can propose a course about it without some form of debate, is, is also difficult. So. I think we need an ongoing conversation about what the important aspects are, perhaps short courses, workshops, MSCs like the one in Sheffield, but also flexibility in how we do it because as we progress and as technology changes, the landscape will change and the worst thing to do would be to define how everything should be at this point. We need to be reactive in understanding that things evolve. Data science or machine learning is so pervasive now that there's no possible way that the small community of methodological researchers can influence every area that needs looking at. The only solution is to distribute as widely as possible, and as widely and as quickly as possible, the knowledge that people have so that people can join in. They can do the analysis in other areas. If you want to know more, links can be found on Nesta's website at nesta.org.uk and search for Machines that learn in the wild. Machine learning and AI more generally is still in its infancy, but significant advances are opening up a new range of exciting applications. The field is now concentrating on developing general purpose algorithms, and this could transform the way we tackle a huge range of challenging areas in the future. I will go ahead and say that we're nowhere near a general in artificial intelligence, nor will we get there in the next sort of near future. I do think the future of AI is in building brain-like algorithmic processes, so uh, unifying algorithms that can do multiple things, like the brain's neuroplastic mechanisms inherently can. Quantum computing as well, programmed in with things like deep neural nets right now, has some of the greatest promise in the field, and the ability to perform more powerful functions than we ever thought possible and will push the boundaries of what we know to be possible today. In the near future for AI, there's going to be a lot of disappointment. There's a lot of people like me who are saying that everything's going to be really exciting and there's lots of people who are increasing fear and both of those people are just, we're just setting the public up to be disappointed because the near future is going to be quite boring, I think, as it always kind of feels like. There'll be those moments of excitement, but in general, it'll be a slow road. But the future is a society where our daily lives are bolstered and held up by software. All of those times when we fail or flag or 
don't quite have the energy to do something. I genuinely believe that technology will be there to support us. One of the things that people always talk about with AI is that it never gets tired, it's limitless, it never makes mistakes. And so if it can't get tired, hopefully it can do more work around the world than humans are able to. And maybe that reach will be possible to places that haven't normally been benefiting from technology.